Evolutionary.org podcast going your way, episode 568. Today's going to be a very important one. Today we're going to talk about how to speed up recovery, rest, and rehab. So this is a great one for those of you who, um, you know, you deal with nagging injuries and, and all this stuff. So, you know, let, you know, this, look, we could do a 10-hour podcast on this, but, you know, this is a 30-minute, this is a quick one. So let's kind of, you know, quickly get right into it, Mobster. So I can remember when I really started to increase my volume, um, I started to um, get some pain uh, in my forearms, you know, so whenever I would do bicep curls or any tricep extensions or anything, I'd start getting pain in my in my forearm. So these types of injuries, you know, the if you try to work through them, a lot of people say just work through them, just work through them, they'll go away. What happens is when you're younger, you can probably get away with doing that. It's different. Your body is basically different than when you get older. But once you start getting older, start getting into your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, those little nagging injuries, you try to work through those nagging injuries, what's going to happen is they're going to become chronic. So those little nagging injuries, which is your body telling you that, hey, you know, something's wrong, those little things will turn into big issues. And you're going to be basically every time you do a bicep curl, you're going to end up in pain, you know, every time you work out going forward. And that's not what you want. So, you know, the first thing you got to do is learn that rest is okay. And if your body is beat up, it's okay to take some time off. You're not going to lose your muscle by taking some time off, okay? Professional athletes, every single sport, mobster, every single sport have off seasons. I can remember, you know, some people, you know, they, they want, you know, minor leagues. They want a minor league in the off season so that they can watch their favorite sport all year and watch their favorite players all year. And hey, let's have the players go, but they're stupid. They don't understand that people need rest. When you're competing with other people at a very, very high level and you're literally, your career is on the line, you need a break. It doesn't matter. It can be college sports. It can be high school sports. It can be middle school sports. It could be little kids. You need an off season. You need to rest your body. You need to rest your brain. So for me, I played a lot of sports growing up. The problem with me is I had, um, you know, I played soccer and I was on the weightlifting team. The problem was where I went to school, it was the same season. So I had to pick one. There was tennis and football. I had to pick tennis or football. You see, there were two different sports at the same time. They didn't spread them out. Had they spread them out, shit, I would have played sports year-round, different sports year-round, you know? And that's not good for the body. So there's a reason they do that. They stagger different sports so you can't play sports year-round. You could still train in the off-season, but you need to give your body a break. You need to give your mind a break. It's very, very important. So that's the step one, mobster is rest you got to rest your body even if you feel great you've got to set a time uh, aside time to give your body a rest otherwise you're going to just wear your body into the ground and you'll have a very short career why do players in the nfl try to fight whenever owners want to increase the amount of games because trust me owners would love it as many games as possible that's more money in their pocket okay and their franchises would be worth more money. It's more TV contracts and everything. Why do players say, no, we want less games? Okay. It's because 
they want to extend their careers. The more games there are, the shorter their careers are going to be because they're going to wear their bodies down. So that's that's step one. Mobster? Yes, Dave. It's, it's, let's just touch on the athlete thing for a second there. It is literally impossible to be at the peak of your game constantly. It's just, it's, it just doesn't happen, right? I don't care what sport you play. I don't care how good you are. You could be absolutely fucking... I just, I don't take darts, Steve. Never mind any hard sports. Just take darts. You cannot go from tournament to tournament to tournament and be getting as it darts, 180, 180, 180, every single game, every single match, every single tournament. It's just impossible. And that's a real easy sport for the arm to do, throwing, for the wrist, whatever. It's just physically impossible for that person, as we say here in the United Kingdom, to get their eye in, Steve. So the idea that uh, uh, I can, and I get the money side, I really do. The idea that you'd have your team playing year-round 50-something matches, 100-something matches, two games a week, and that they would be amazing all that time. It's just impossible. And in fact, even during the season, strength and conditioning coaches will have mini peaks, whether it's soccer here in the United Kingdom or whether it's American football over in, in the States. That's why they have different players on at different times and they will bring really good players out for the really important matches and so on and so forth. Typically four macro cycles of around 16 weeks, eight to 16 weeks through the year. And, 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 you know, you want the person to be absolutely amazing, the whole team to be peaked at the finals and so on and so forth. So that's that's absolutely it. Something I was going to touch upon, Steve, when we talk about rest, and Steve talks about this a lot, and <laughs> as an older fellow, I'm a real big fan, is sleep. So we could actually do several parts of this. So I'm going to call this, this is the rest and rehab, the recovery, whatever you want to call it, guys, part one. So t- Steve talks about sleep a lot, right? And here's the here's the reality. So modern times, whether it's watching TV, guys, staying up late to catch a movie or watching wanting to watch your, your favourite series of whatever on TV or online, on stream or whatever, here's the thing. It, back in the day, you had no choice if you wanted to watch it. Now you can record it. Now you can have it like one hour later on a different channel. Now, now you can have it literally live streamed when you want to. So there's absolutely no reason for you guys to be killing it in the gym putting a day's working, going to school, doing your education, being busy all day, and then staying up 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Steve talks about getting off your phones. It's the same thing. Look, it's one of those weird situations, Steve. And, and again, older guys will say this, and the younger guys will yawn, right? When you're younger, you can stay up late, and you want to stay up late. When you're older, when you can stay up late because you don't give a damn, even better, Steve, when you're retired, you go to bed early because you appreciate sleep and you understand the rest and recovery. Now, if you're killing it in the gym, guys, you absolutely need that sleep. We talk about rest, and I would even grab, I've done this a few times in the last couple of months, Steve, just sit on my sofa, read a book, close my eyes, not even go to sleep, but zone out for 20 minutes, 40 minutes. Straight after training, especially, is absolutely the best time if you could do that. And that is literally just laying down. Now, the actual sleep stuff, we know that growth hormone is released. We know that's when broken down tissue gets built back up again and so on and so forth. So the sleep is super, super important. And these are real, real basic things. Hot baths. We just had one uh, one of the, the forum members the other day talked about this, Steve, with Epsom salts. Hot showers, hot and cold showers. Because if you can do it, even better, Steve, is another one. Contrast baths, which is top athletes now. Uh, and something I'll touch up on in and of itself. 
So what do top athletes do? And I think Steve touched on this as well, and I'll bring him back in for this. We know that the absolute best athletes in pretty much every sport we can think of spend as much time or nearly as much time on rehab as they do on training. So a prime facer example, Steve, and I'll use this just with strength athletes. Uh, let's say that they're in the gym practicing events for a strongman competition up to four hours. And that could be two or three events with other fellows training and a long time in between events, exactly the same as on the day, one hour, with everybody else taking their turn to do the event in the competition, and then it's your go. So plenty of time, two, three hours for three events is not unusual, Steve. What you're seeing now when you look at the very, very top athletes is that they're spending about three hours a day on their recovery. If they're four hours in the gym, it's three hours on recovery. And that includes stuff like chirotherapy, which is the cold cabins. Don't touch the, don't touch the walls. Feet are covered. Your hands are covered. You wear some sort of mask on your face. But it's like minus 20, Steve. Flushing the skin. And that's just standing there paying, God, those 30 bucks to stand in this freezing cold space. Hot and cold baths. Some of them have got tanks in their house. Uh, Eddie Hall, for example, um, was, was a great swimmer when he was a teenager installed a, a swimming bath which literally pumps water in one end sucks it out the other and it's equivalent of swimming against the uh, stream against the tide so to speak uh, the whole time that you're in there it's only about 20 foot long but you're in there and it's literally like trying to swim against the sea so and that's just as a means of recovery a big cold tubs full of ice cubes uh, a, a, a hot tub next to that and these guys have spent thousands of dollars i think you talked about and i'll let you jump in now I forget the name of him, but one absolutely amazing athlete from American football who, whose reason for his career being so extended is that so much of his time, especially in the off-season in between games, was spent on recovery. I, I don't remember the name, but I know that you will, Steve. Are you talking about Tom Brady? Yes, that's the one. So tell, tell the okay. listeners why Tom Brady's career has been extended so much. Yeah, so Tom Brady, he sleeps in a completely dark quiet room and obviously he can afford to do that i mean you know but his room is just for sleeping that he sleeps in he's got the humidity set the temperature set everything set at the perfect temperature he doesn't bring any distractions into that room so you know like can you can you do that realistically in your own lives probably not but you can make the room as dark, as quiet as possible. You know what you can do if you got like you live in an apartment or you live in like a townhome, you got loud neighbors. You can put up um, sound blankets and sound blankets. You can buy them online, you know, used. And you can basically spend a few hundred dollars if you're very, very clever and you can buy these. And they're used by musicians to kind of block and insulate the, the the noise, right? So you can put them against your wall and that'll do a good job of really blocking, uh, you know, the noise coming from if you're sharing a wall with someone. So I do that myself because I'm poor. I have to share a wall. I'm not Tom Brady. I can't afford to have my own house, huge ass house with, you know, on a, on a two acre uh, land. So, you know, he takes his sleep very seriously. He sleeps eight to nine hours a night. It's just mandatory. So it's very important for him to do that. And um, it really helps because when you're sleeping, when not just sleeping, but deep sleep, a deep sleep allows your body to rest and repair itself. And that's when your body 
really we talk about in bodybuilding you know when does your muscle grow does it grow while you're training or does it grow outside the gym you know and everyone says oh yeah your your muscles grow outside the gym your muscles grow when you sleep exactly it, they that's when your muscles grow your your muscles grow when you're sleeping at night that's when your body's able to repair the damage the trauma the stress you just put it through and that's when your body de-stresses so it's extremely important to get good quality sleep. If you don't sleep good, whether you, you know, you fall into bad habits, whether it's some type of mental issues that you're dealing with, you know, we talk about, um, you know, mental health a lot on this podcast, not because we want to joke about it, because we, we, but because we're serious, we're serious. A lot of people out there, I'd say 85% of you listening have some sort of mental illness, including me, including mobster. It's just the way it is. We've been through trauma in our lives. We had stuff happen. But here's the thing. I'll give you an example. Bipolar individuals may only be able to sleep two, three hours a night and function on that amount of sleep. But is it healthy? Is it going to help you recover and repair your body? No, it's going to be a problem. So even if you're able to function, I had someone argue with me many years ago on a forum that, Steve, I only sleep four or five hours a night and I'm fine. Look at me. I look great. The same guy years later came back to me and he's like, Steve, what's up? I've been on the forums in a while. I'm like, yeah, dude, what's going on? He's like, let me send you a picture of what I look like now. He sent me a picture. The guy looked horrible. I'm like, dude, what happened to you? Like, you used to have like six pack. Every he's like, I know, Steve. You were right. You were right. You know, I started drinking. I'm not. I didn't sleep well for years. You were right this whole time. You know, giving me advice. I told him years ago. I was like, even if you're able to function on three or four hours of sleep, you still should strive for seven, eight hours of sleep. And you know, if you can get even, you know, nine hours, that would be wonderful. But it's not plausible in today's society because. You know, we have these such busy lifestyles. So, it you know, sleep is so fucking important. There's so many things you guys can do for sleep. Look, I'm going to tell you a couple tips for sleep, okay? Blue blocker glasses. If you must use electronics in the evening, okay? Like me, I must use them. I'm a very busy guy. Uh, you know, I, I have to work on the computer and stuff. So, I'm on the computer late in the evening and... Here's what I do. I wear blue blocker glasses because the blue light that's coming from the computer is going to tell my brain that it's still sunny outside and to stay awake. So by wearing the blue blockers, it helps these chemicals and neurotransmitters in my brain fire off that put me to sleep. Example, melatonin. The melatonin in my body rises because my body thinks, you know what, it's it's dark, it's nighttime, it's time for us to sleep. We're not nocturnal creatures here. So that's a great tip. You can go on Amazon and buy blue blocker glasses for like 12 bucks, cheap blue blocker glasses for 12 bucks, guys. Okay? Now, if you want to spend $100 on nice blue blocker glasses, be my guest. But for me, I'm a cheap, poor guy. I just buy the $12 cheap ones off Amazon. They work perfectly well. I wear them every night. Um, I put them on near a little bit after sunset i put them on and i'm still able to watch the game on tv or or do work on my computer and it won't affect me now if you don't want to wear blue blocker glasses you're stubborn whatever then you just shut off all your electronics including your phone just shut them off don't even look at them and that's another that's another tip for you and that can make a huge difference i've literally had people do what I'm telling you to do with the blue blocker glasses, and it's completely changed their life. Like they're now able to go to sleep. Like bam, they're able to go to sleep. So you got to keep a, a good sleep schedule. If you're if you got a job 
that messes with your sleep schedule, that's going to be a problem. There's a reason that people who work jobs like night jobs and these types of weird, funky jobs where it's 12 hour shifts, you know, nurses, doctors, uh, firefighters, they tend to live less long for, for a reason and they tend to not be able to recover for a reason. So it's very important to realize that. So you've kind of got to work around that and be, be smart about it. Yeah. I learned my lesson from dating a nurse, uh, bartenders, you know, you're up till 2, 3 a.m. And then you come home, you go to sleep and you sleep till 11 a.m. That's not a correct schedule. We're not nocturnal animals. We're made to sleep after sunset. We go into our caves in our little shelter, hide from the predators that are going to come get us and we sleep. That's the way that we evolve. That's how it's supposed to be done. So get your sleep shit in order. Mobster, I'm going to get into um, some of the maintenance things we can do. You touched on it a little bit. I'm going to get into some of the maintenance things that we need to be doing to help rest and repair our bodies. But chime in on that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just thinking, Steve, and I'll, I'll, I'll start you off because here, here's an example. When we powerlift, when we do strongman competition, when we're bodybuilding, we're not training for balance. What do I mean by that? Say, for example, I decided I was going to build up my biceps as big as they possibly could because I was already happy with my triceps. Stephen mentioned, for example, earlier on that what sometimes happens when we're, when we're doing high volume and especially when we're doing these movements that we specifically to peak our bicep, for example, we're not, we, we will get twinges around the elbow. And why do, why do we get twinges around the elbow? Well, for a start, we're not working the forearm. We might not be working the underlying muscles. We might be doing an incredibly high volume. And just as an example, Steve, and I'll take it from the specific sport that I've trained for in the past, grip training. Now, I, I've done it to the point where my right hand, because I'm right hand dominant, would be ever so slightly stronger, typically without training. And because of training, I've actually created an imbalance. So, for example, Steve, I think one particular lift was 20 kilo difference. Now, that doesn't sound much like, guys, it's 44 pound, 145 pound plates. Not that, but I'm doing a lot of work. I'm trying to peak my strength. So I've, when I say 20 kilo difference, that means that the number is really, really high for the 20 kilo difference. It's like 90 or 100 kilograms, which is 200, 220 pounds. And then there's a 20 kilo difference between that and the other side. So uh, I'm, I'm talking about world-class feats of strength. So I'm not using normal weights. I'm using crazy fucked up weights. And at that particular point, I'm now straining my body because I'm trying to do something that no one else has done or very few people have done to such a level that the, the risk of injury becomes that much higher. So what I need to do, and I'll use that bicep curling peak in my bicep analogy from earlier on, is I need to be doing even stuff, simple stuff, Steve, just for the for the tendonitis around the elbow with rubber bands. Uh, and I mean rubber bands that you wrap around a parcel or a bunch of lettuce, and you put these over the end of your fingers and you do sort of like an extensive movement. You can look these up, guys, and it's just going to work the muscles around the forearm where the pain is to balance out the pounding that I'm giving it in the gym. Like I said, and this is going to apply to a golf break and apply to a soccer player and apply to an American football player. If you practice your sport specifically, kicking, throwing, whatever, you're trying to do things in one particular plane or pattern of movement. What you're not doing is for health. You're doing it because you want to break a world record, because you want an Olympic medal, because you want to miss the Olympia statuette. What you need to do and again, I'm thinking back to the strength athletes here, guys, uh, uh, Steve as well. It's set aside, and I believe I'm talking about one training session a week uh, in the case of the world's strongest man athletes that I trained around back in the day. 
two two days a week would be full on compound lifts, big heavy squats, big heavy deadlift, all the stuff you see on the YouTube videos now. One day would be set aside for practicing the weak movements and essentially or practicing those move and doing those lifts that are balancing out the muscles that you're pounding in, for example, on the log press or the atlas stones that you see on the TV. And then the last day of the week would be an event day, which is specifically doing strongman events, again, like you see on TV and perhaps at local competitions. So we're not training for a balance. And sometimes we need to set aside time. When those twinges start to happen, they're like a little red flag to remind us that we need to do things. A good example, Steve, back in the day, soccer players, and I suspect some American football players back in the day, lots and lots and lots of quad injuries around the knee and lots and lots and lots of hamstring injuries at the back of the knee. And the reason for that was they were running very, very fast, in the case of soccer players, turning very, very quickly, breaking very, very quickly, and shooting off again. So they were getting knee issues, and they were getting hamstring issues and quad issues. And very few of them in those days, Steve, were doing any kind of weights or any kind of rehab work to balance that. Now, strength and conditioning coaches work with football teams, soccer teams, as well as the big American soccer, uh, football and so on and so forth. And I said, you still get American players getting that same problem, but that's mostly because it's a 300-pound linebacker just crashed into them and, and screwed the knee off to the side. So they need to be strong laterally from side to side as well as forward and in reverse. Steve. What do you think on that? Imbalances are a major problem. Um, and this is another one that a lot of people don't want to understand. When you first start weight training and you know you just work your upper body, or you just work your front, you just work your chest, you ignore your back, you just work your upper body, you ignore your legs. A lot of people say, oh, Steve, what does it matter? What does it matter? I want to, you know, if I just work those, and th that's what all I care about. So who cares? Well, it matters because you're developing imbalances. So you've got to learn how to do improper imbalances. And this ties into the next one. And that's that's yoga. Stretching and yoga. What's the first thing your cat or dog does when it wakes up from a nap? It stretches. Naturally, instinctively, a baby was the first thing it does. It stretches. A kid even stretches. But as adults, we get stupid and we ignore our instincts, instinctual things. So when you wake up in the morning, a great thing to do right off the bat, instead of going and checking our phone to seeing, oh, what happened overnight or checking our Facebook is stretching in the morning. Can you do that? In the morning, can you take 15, 10, 15 minutes out of your morning instead of going and wasting $8 uh, down the street at the gas station to get coffee, spend that 10, 15 minutes stretching in the morning, post-workout, stretch, pre-workout, warm up. These are very important. You know, we're going to touch on it on uh, our, our next podcast a little bit more on bro science, but have you ever gone to a professional sporting event? And gotten there really, really early. I'm talking three, four hours early. Guess what's happening, mobster? They are there warming up. They are there stretching. They are there getting their bodies ready for the actual game. Three, four hours before. Yet, for some reason, weightlifters walk into the gym, do one set of warm-ups, and then boom, they're, they're deep into it. And then they leave without doing any stretching at all. Isn't that weird? But these professional athletes magically, and I don't care. They could be professional athletes, monster. They could be college. They could be high school. They could be middle school, whatever. They sit around as a team and they 
do stretching. They even help each other stretch. They help. They they do warm ups. They do reps. They do all kinds of things to to get their mind and body ready for the actual game. And it doesn't matter if it's a game or if it's a practice. They still do the same fucking routine every time. They spend if it's a one hour practice, they'll spend an hour beforehand doing all that stuff, warming up, stretching, all that good stuff. So in weight training, people, they just show up and then they boom, they get into it. A lot of people don't even warm up and very, very little people, if none, I ever see stretching. They just grab their stuff out of the locker room and haul their ass out. I got to get home. I got to get home. You know, I, 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 I don't have time for this. You've got to spend time doing that. You've got to. So with weight training, you don't want to stretch before weight training. You want to warm up before weight training and then stretch after. Okay. So very, very important. And hell, I'd even dedicate, you know, a, a lot of time to that. I'd warm up. If you're doing a one hour workout, I would warm up, you know, 10, 15 minutes minimum, especially for someone like you, mobster, who lives in a cold climate. You know, your muscles, you're going to walk in the gym, your muscles are cold. You got to warm them up and that's going to help big time. And then afterwards, stretching. Another thing I recommend is yoga because when you weight train, you're compressing everything. Your spine is compressing, right? So your discs are getting smooshed together. It's like a, it's like an ice cream um, sandwich. You're, you're, you're compressing everything. Yoga will stretch everything out. How many times do you see these big bodybuilders walking around like the hunchback of Notre Dame? It's because they've, they've got such strong chest and they have weak backs. But yoga will balance, help you balance everything out. It'll help lubricate the joints. It'll increase mobility and it'll increase flexibility. It's very, very important to do it. You don't have to go to a class to do yoga. You can do it right from home. There's videos you can follow, all kinds of stuff. But I do recommend going to the classes. At least you'll have some instruction and you can kind of get some peer pressure to push you along. But yoga is a really good thing to do. Um, and at least learn Learn a lot of yoga poses, and then they, so you can do it at home. And you can do it after the gym. Um, it's really, really a good dedication to do it. But no, nobody has time. You can go to the gym for an hour and 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 get in a weight training session, but you can't take 10, 15 minutes to warm up. You can't take 10, 15 minutes after to stretch. It doesn't make any sense to me. So it's very, very important. Just think about what I'm telling you. And if you don't believe me, go to any sporting event. I don't care what level it is and get there early. Um, a football game, they start at one o'clock, you know, a lot of times on Sundays, right? It's Sunday at one o'clock, 10 o'clock. Okay. 10 o'clock. That's three hours ahead of time. They're on the field, warming up and moving their joints around and moving their arms around and, and, you know, getting ready and stuff like that. Isn't that funny? But in weight training, people just show up. It just doesn't make any sense. Our bodies, there's a reason they do that. They know how to lessen injuries. They know what they're doing, but we don't. Weightlifters, for some reason, have this mentality where, well, weight training, you know, it's not a sport, whatever. It is. It, it's more than that. Because in weight training, you could seriously cause a lot of injuries if you're not doing it correctly and using proper form and all that good stuff. So proper form is, is the last thing I'll say. And I'll bring you in, Mobster. Um, look, you know, final thoughts, buddy. You know, tell us. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Steve. We're talking about Tom Brady and any other athlete. You're talking about extending your career. Guys, this is one of those old man versus young man things. And like Steve said right at the beginning of the podcast, we think we're invincible when we're younger. And we kind of are. 
We fall over, we get up, it's no problem. I fall over now, Steve. If I get injured now, it's something that takes weeks. It's a pain in the ass, falling over my knee or whatever else. I'd be moaning about it for days and days and days, if not weeks. Whereas back in the day, baby size, bump it, cry like a bitch. Five minutes later, it's all gone, no problem at all. Kissed it better, absolutely piece of piss. Now be something else. And it's one of those things. We love what we do, so we don't want to be at the gym. And here's the thing again, guys. If you're speed, this is just recovering from injuries. If you're speeding up recovery, you're shortening the time that it takes you to get huge, strong, muscular, lean, and so on and so forth, Steve. If you are, for example, overweight, you've got an injury, you're making it much harder to lose that weight because it's that much harder for you to do cardio. We just had a post this morning where a guy can't jog. And I suspect that it was this combination of his body weight, I big and fat, and he wants to get lean, uh, and you know take thirty pounds off and miracle cure his knees will feel bad. But equally, it could be that he's got an ongoing injury, and therefore it's much much harder for him to do certain kinds of cardio. So everything he's going to do is going to have to be more gentle. And if he looked after his knee, it'd be that much easier, and he might even have been more active now. So there's just examples again. If you're a professional athlete. And this comes, I've just used soccer as an example, but I'm sure this applies to American football. The more time you're on the field, the more you get paid. The more goals you score, the more you get paid. The more times your team wins, the more you get paid. It's as simple as that. As an amateur, it's the difference between you and a buddy that's injured and him taking that much longer to get to the same size as you. Being five pounds ahead of him on the bench, five uh, half an inch bigger on the arms, whatever because you haven't had to take time out, you haven't had to work around in injuries. And because at the end of the day, one of the things that's supposed to apply to any of these kind of sports, although it can get crazy psycho when you're at the top, top level and world-class athletes have a sort of, I think Steve touched on this at the beginning, a sort of uh, a different way of thinking, shall I say. It's not necessarily about health, but really it should be because most of us are not going to be Mr. Olympias. We're not going to be the world's strongest man. We're just going to be people that like to go to the gym, that like to get in shape. And we don't want to look back wishing that we've done the things that we just talked about, recovery, stretching, hot baths, getting to sleep, and being able to look good, feel good, and still be lean now and when we get old and and decrepit or whatever else with the grey hair and stuff. Imagine still having a six-pack when you're 60, still having veins on your chest when you're 60, still being able to do stuff from people, buddies of yours around you are falling to bits and they've had operations, hip operation, the shoulder's been worked on, they're having a strap, they're on sticks, but you're kicking it, kicking ass, you're killing it. So these are the things that we're talking about. There's a bunch of others we can cover, Steve. I'm sure we can do a part two on this. Please note, we are not doctors and the opinions are ours. It's our view and based on our experience and views on the topic a podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.